Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Live from the University of Utah. This time it will be about defending my own record. We're going to lay out the contrast tonight, and it's on. This is Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Special coverage of Utah's vice presidential debate on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and we are live from the University of Utah site of the vice presidential debate tonight. Uh, so much to do, as always. Fastest 60 minutes of radio is really going to fly today. But we are going to try to help you slow things down just a little bit and make sure that we, as we always strive to do, divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots, and make the news make sense. Uh, and there's just a whole lot of it. And there's so many things that are going on behind the scene. We're going to be joined uh, shortly at 1120 by Jason Perry uh, from the Hinckley Institute of Politics here at the University of Utah. He's going to give us a little behind the scenes, what's been going on, the final preparations as we get ready for the big debate tonight. Uh, we'll also have uh, Mara Carbella from uh, Exoro Group in our 1135 slot as we talk about the debate and the debating tactics and strategies, messaging, what matters most, and how do you get that across. Uh, so stay with us throughout the next 60 minutes here on KSL News Radio. Uh, as always, I'm, I'm always interested in what's going on behind the scenes. In particular, how are things being reported? What stories are being told and how are those decisions made? And so I wanted to start our program today by bringing in Doug Wilkes, the editor of the Deseret News, uh, who's actually live in studio today. So I'm up at the U. Doug's in studio. I think this is how the hostile takeover begins. But, uh, Doug, thanks for joining us. Boyd, great to be here. Yes, we're uh, just eyeing your chair and what we can do to change the furniture. And, um, but, yeah, no, it's good to be with you, particularly dealing with uh, – rage, dividing rage from reason. I think the whole nation wants to see how this debate goes tonight to see if it changes from what the presidential debate gave us. Yeah, I think that's right. I think everyone is trying to to look at and see, can these two candidates actually talk principles and policy uh, or will they be divided? Now that they're further divided on the stage itself, 13 feet now, uh, rather than being around a nice cozy table like most vice presidential debates, I think it will be interesting to see if that distance uh, causes them to be more comfortable uh, unleashing a few of those zingers and uh, some of that negative chatter. Uh, but, Doug, as, as you look at the debate tonight and as you look at it from a news perspective inside the newsroom, give us a little peek behind the scenes. Tell us, uh, how do you go about covering something that is not only a national but an international event? Well, certainly we wanted to prepare our readers um, and those who are coming to Deseret.com for the first time to the Deseret News to be ready to get to know these candidates. You know, we are looking at um, their records. We're looking at uh, their faith. 
uh, faith has become kind of interesting because there's a performance and what decisions you make as it relates to um, bringing faith into the public square, um, equal rights for all, uh, certainly. Um, and uh, Kamala Harris and Mike Pence uh, are both people of sound character. And are they translating that character into policy? So we prepare our readers for that. And then, of course, um, we have uh, many reporters and opinion writers uh, looking at the debate tonight um, topically to see uh, if if they can uh, if these two candidates can actually clear the bar, as you say, um, are they able to fulfill the role of president if called upon to do so? So we're looking at all that as we report this out today. Oh, that's so interesting. And uh, I know you've got uh, reporters. You've got Lisa Riley Roche and Dennis Romboy, a longtime journalist at the Deseret News, who will be inside the bubble tonight uh, covering uh, that. What is uh, what is their approach as they listen, obviously, looking at a, a national and international event and then trying to frame that in terms of what it means to uh, the folks who, who follow on Deseret.com? Well, we look uh, two ways. We look both inside the debate hall and outside the debate hall. Um, will there be protests today? And if so, what kind of protests? You know, you get some kind of uh, – we get tipped off about that. Uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, obviously people try to gather because um, people are trying to bring their messages uh, to the nation and to the world. So we, we look at that um, and ask those opinions. Uh, we looked at uh, what the students want to say. I know about 60 University of Utah students are going to be in the hall. In fact – a lot of people gave up tickets just so students could be there because this is an important event for the university. You know, what do those students have to say? We question them on the front end. What do they want to ask? And then we'll look at the back end. Are they satisfied with these two candidates and what they gave them? So we're yeah. looking at all those angles. Yeah, that's great. And I know even uh, from the opinion side of the house, uh, we've been looking at a host of different views and looking to balance that coverage between both the Democratic side and the Republican side. Uh, I think we have a pretty unique space uh, right now here in the state of Utah in that you uh, it has to be the only place in the country today where you have an op-ed from both Vice President Pence and an op-ed from Senator Kamala Harris uh, in the same uh, news media organization and some nice commentary around it. Uh, but just describe uh, kind of the approach there in terms of getting all of those voices, getting that good balance uh, and a lot of unique perspectives. Well, we think Utah has something to contribute, right? We really do think we're uh, not just a crossroads of the West and the nation, but Utah's rapidly developing um, as a crossroads to the world. And this is another example of that. You know, uh, other universities have backed out of these debates. Uh, people back out of the Olympic Games. Well, Utah says, no, we can do it. We can we can host you. Come here and see what we have to say. And um, we've been able to do that with the economy, uh, with philosophy, with uh, bridging the divides as it relates to um, faith in the public square, uh, LGBTQ issues, um, environmental issues, uh, uh immigration issues. This this really is the place, as Kamala Harris said when she came into the town and, and went to the monument. Um, and and uh, the nation's going to learn that today. Yeah. I think she stole that line from somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a, it was a, a great line. line. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good line uh, and a very interesting space. And uh, I, I do think it's just so... Uh, fascinating in terms of how people are looking here. It was interesting. I was on Bloomberg Radio yesterday uh, with our good friend Kevin Cirilla and uh, just talking through it, and he was amazed at everything going on in Utah and what an amazing place it was and his experience here. Uh, so it is one of those unique moments for Utah to kind of share and shine a little bit and, and reflect a lot of the things that make it a great place to work and live in terms of economy and civil society and those kinds of things. 
Uh, if you're just joining us, we've got uh, Doug Wilkes on the line, editor of the Deseret News, looking behind the scenes of how do you cover a vice presidential debate. We're broadcasting live from up at the University of Utah, the site and host uh, of the VP debate tonight. Uh, Doug, just in our, our final minute, um, as, as you think about, again, from inside the newsroom, uh, thinking with the the readers in mind, uh, and and not just Utah readers. Uh, most of the those viewers on the the site will be from outside the state of Utah. Uh, what do you hope they take away uh, from this kind of twenty four to forty eight hour period of hyper focus on the state of Utah and its role in a very national conversation? I really think civility is um, is a big takeaway. Um, just the fact that we do have the two candidates speaking directly to Utahns and to the state, what are the messages they're bringing? And it's a different message. You know, when the candidates are talking to uh, the Intermountain West, it's a different conversation than the East Coast or the West Coast. And people need to hear that because this is where people live. It's the middle of the country. It's not the two coasts. Um, and there's a sensibility um, and there's a sensitivity, and they want to know solutions to problems. Mm-hmm. So I think two things happen. One, the readers get a different view, but so do the candidates. And so by them being here in Utah, they will take that with them back to Washington. Kamala Harris as a senator, um, you know, Mike Pence as the vice president, and one of them will will be the, the vice president, and um, they'll know a little more about us, and so Utah's voice will uh, be a little louder. Fantastic. Doug Wilkes, editor of the Deseret News, thanks for joining us today. And uh, just make sure you save me a little seat there back at the uh, studio. You bet. We'll get a call for you. Good to talk to you, boy. All right. Thanks so much, Doug. All right. Uh, again, we're broadcasting live from the University of Utah, site of Utah, of uh, the nation's vice presidential debate tonight. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics will join us for a little behind-the-scenes view of preparation for tonight's debate. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources, your voice, your vote, Utah's vice presidential debate, in-depth coverage on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you, and great to be with you live from the University of Utah today, host of the vice presidential debate tonight. The eyes of the nation are all here on the U. And we're going to continue to break that down. Uh, in this segment, we're really pleased to be joined by the Associate Director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics, Morgan Lyon Cuddy. Uh, we call her the great Morgan. We actually sometimes call her Czar, uh, but we'll, we'll go with your Associate Director title today. And by we, <laughs> we mean just boys. Uh, yeah. 
Well, there's a lot of me. So okay. <laughs> all those personalities are stacked in there. Uh, so, Morgan, you've been involved in this whole process from the beginning. Uh, many people are just looking at this as a what a great day! How fun! <laughs> how fun to be up at the U today. Uh, give us a little uh, a little backstory, and then uh, just what is happening behind the scenes here at the University of Utah. There is a I have to say there is an energy on campus today. Uh, even though there aren't a lot of students and a yeah. lot of bodies, uh, there is clearly energy in the air. Something big is going to happen tonight. It's fun to have this energy, especially because we really haven't had a full cohort of students here since March. So it's fun to feel campus buzzing. People keep on asking me, how did you get the debate? Honestly, this started years ago. It We've worked with the Utah Debate Commission to submit that bid, and it is a big deal. There are yeah. campus visits, and we have to prove we can handle the logistics. And luckily, our state and this university can say, hey, we can pull off the uh, Winter Olympics. We can do yeah. anything. So the actual planning for the real debate, it has been at least a year, maybe even two years, just the logistics the safety, the construction, the building, the communications, it is a monumental feat. Yeah, it is uh, It is absolutely extraordinary. And uh, we're here in the Student Union Building right now broadcasting, and uh, we see a lot of people running around, and uh, it just it reminded me of the Olympics. It is that, that Utah spirit, uh, volunteers galore. Yeah. Uh, tell us how this is all being brought about. Yeah, well, one of the things that they told us when we were getting this bid was, you know, you have to plan on at least hundreds of volunteers. And we were like, <laughs> you probably that's laughed. The, that's the easy part. So the fun thing that you being here in the student union is this is where all of the students are, the student volunteers are checking in. Awesome. And originally we had, you know, if this was non-COVID times, there would be so much going on on campus. Yeah. Even that said, we have 200 students who are volunteering today. They are driving golf carts and running errands, and they're helping with security. And later on tonight, they're going to be our ushers and our wayfinders. And uh. hopefully some of them, not not hopefully, definitely some of them, those ushers and a few others are going to be in the debate hall. Uh, what a great experience. What a great opportunity for many of those young voters, some who will be voting for the very first time yeah. uh, to actually be part of the process and to actually see this thing up close and personal. Yeah, the U is actually highlighting some of our ushers yesterday. Some of these students are first-time voters because of their age. Some of them recently became American citizens and are first-time voters because of that. I mean, that is a huge thing we do here at the U, especially at the Hinckley Institute. We are getting students excited. These are our future voters, our future leaders. And tonight, they're going to watch history happen. Yeah. And not just watch, be a part be of a it. Be a part of it. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Always uh, always important to be engaged in that process. Uh, as you've gone through this process, and again, uh, this is not a, uh, we always say a big journey does not start on the day the journey begins. <laughs> it's that yeah. two-year preparation yeah. uh, that makes it look right. Um, but as you've also gone through just these last few days, Days, as uh, things really started to pick up, you could just feel it over the weekend. Yeah. Senator Harris arrives on Saturday. Things start to pick up. I know there were walkthroughs with staff and coin flips and yeah. uh, all of those. Give us some perspective there. I know Jason Perry, who's uh, just waltzing into the building, <laughs> uh, probably the busiest man in America right now. He is. Uh, but give us just a, a little backstory there. Yeah. So, and this week has been just like everything with COVID. We have been making adjustments, and we'll probably be making adjustments up until they 
they start talking tonight. Yeah. Um, people arrived at different times because of COVID. Uh, people are quarantining. And so there have been these adjustments. One of the really fun things about these last-minute preparations, and I'll take you behind the scenes here, is you have, as you know, for any big event, you have to make sure that lighting is right. And yeah. so our stand-ins <laughs> on the stage have been our Hinkley oh, students. I love and that. And it's been so, we'll post pictures. It's been amazing. And they've been oh. meeting with Susan Page. She's been wonderful to our students. Oh, that's fantastic. Nothing, nothing like getting your picture behind the podium at a vice presidential debate. That's a shot for a lifetime. We are joined now. Uh, so we've got Morgan Lyon Cotty uh, from the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Now we've got the great Jason Perry. Oh, boy. Uh, busiest man in America today uh, <laughs> as the University of Utah hosts the vice presidential debate. Jason, we really appreciate you taking a little bit of time. I know you've got your track shoes on today. We do indeed. Yeah. And uh, Boyd said you were waltzing in. You were running. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There, it was I'm a freaking waltz. It was, it was a skip, anyway. <laughs> an, it's exhausted, an exhausted skip. The skip may uh, disappear by the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, well, give us some some insight, uh, Jason, behind the scenes. Uh, we've been talking with Morgan about some of the, the process pieces and the logistics. Give us some, some sense in terms of the campaigns and the candidates themselves. Walkthroughs, preparation, uh, negotiations. Yeah. I know we had a plexiglass issue. Yeah. Uh, who gets to enter where? Give us some of that insight. Well, it's just a, it's such an interesting behind the scenes kind of thing because there are things that you would think are just kind of a matter of course that they have to negotiate. And of course, if they can negotiate it, what people might not know is they resolve disputes with a, a coin toss. You know, so it's in their interest sometimes, but it's, you know, there's the big things like, you know, who goes first or who gets the right. first question. But there are things like, you know, what loading dock do you go through, for example? Who gets what dressing room? Where are they going to be on site? Those are the kinds of things you just talk about a lot. I mean, even right down to tickets. How many tickets does each campaign get? Every single aspect of this, from the chairs to the tickets, is a negotiation. And uh, I mean, every single thing just matters in these yeah. kinds of things. Because as, as you talked about on the show before, it's just little things in a debate can really kind of turn on you if it doesn't happen. And these campaigns are really good, and they think about everything. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that's just a fascinating thing to watch. Uh, you know, what, what does the entourage look like? Uh, who negotiates what? Uh, what I want to know is how many coin flips have we had? And are you the official coin flipper? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not right now. So uh, let's just say I think coins are being tossed even today. Really? Uh, this is, everything is just a constant negotiation. and Everyone wants to make sure that it's fair, of course. Yeah. It's the Commission on Presidential Debates that ultimately decides those things. Like, is there going to be a, a divider? Yeah. Well, the commission decides, you know, yeah. so the campaigns may not love it, or one may or one may not. Yeah. But ultimately, decision there is from the the Commission on Presidential Debates. Yeah, I, I think that's such interesting insight. We, we don't think about that as viewers, especially watching at home, think of, wow, there were probably 27 different negotiations that took place before they ever walk on stage. Yeah. That took uh, place today. That's, <laughs> yeah. And that's amazing. All and, this week, even today, it's true. Yeah, and, and it does show, and you, you bring up the point of the, uh, the staffs of, of each side, and obviously they are fiercely loyal uh, to their boss, uh, and are going to do everything to you know fight for every little yeah. advantage uh, that, that that they want. Uh, have you seen any, any interesting things that have led to some of those negotiations or some of those coin flips? Well, uh, you're absolutely right, though. Uh, s- sometimes you're fighting about one thing when it's really about something else. That's, that's the most interesting part. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to fight about this one thing that I really don't care about that much <laughs> because we're about to get to the one thing I do want. So so that's been an interesting wow. part of this negotiation. And this is like high-stakes <laughs> negotiation. You wouldn't expect that's the case. You know, Of course, uh, all these things are done off the record as they talk about these things, but that's the reality. Yeah. Every single point, and there is so much strategy yeah. in, in these decisions and sometimes i'm always curious to see what the 
the end game is on some of them. Well, what's been? I'm going to ask both of you this. Uh, uh, first to you, Morgan. Uh, just quickly in our last minute here, uh, anything that has jumped out surprised you, or like a like a wow moment? My wow moment is honestly, I'm going to brag about the University of Utah. How the U of U has pivoted, and this is full campus. This is not Hinckley Institute, President's Office, Political Science. This is our hospital. This is the people who are testing for COVID. This is this is the stadium and athletics. Yeah. Everyone has pulled awesome. together. Fantastic. Jason, surprising or a, or a big wow moment for you? Yeah, so mine's just related to that as well. Uh, every single day the situation changes on this debate. Yeah. You know, it's happening in the country, but, you know, that what people are coming to talk to me about are, you know, so the President of the United States has COVID. What does this do for this debate? Yeah. How does it impact? And the, the things we have had to do to make sure that everyone that goes in this hall are are safe and that, yeah. that, and they're healthy. It's been a monumental effort. I mean, every single person has been tested over the last couple yeah. of days. Yeah, you know, even you, including me, including you. <laughs> I did pass so, by the way. I got my green. I got my green wristband, so uh-huh. I can officially enter uh, the bubble. Yep, we, we look forward <laughs> to having you there. But that's the big thing: is the entire system had to come together. Yeah. And just like Utah itself, this is a yes kind of place. And even these campaigns, I don't think, are used to a place where the answer, first answer is yes, and not just no. Uh, I love that. That's fantastic. Well, kudos to the University of Utah and to the Hinckley Institute of, po- of Politics, uh, Morgan Lyon Cuddy and Jason Perry. So appreciate you joining us here live in the student building today. And we'll continue to broadcast from here at the University of Utah in the most consequential vice president dis- debate. Uh, and it's happening right here in the great state of Utah. We'll continue to do that uh, right here on KSL News Radio. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much, much more to come. What should the message be for each campaign? We're going to break it down next. Stay with us. University of Utah. This time it will be about defending my own record. We're going to lay out the contrast tonight, and it's on. This is Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Special coverage of Utah's vice presidential debate on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today, live from the University of Utah, site of the vice presidential debate. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and we just got some great behind-the-scenes uh, insight from uh, Jason Perry of the Hinckley Institute of Politics and uh, Morgan Lancotti, who uh, though that tag team at the Hinckley Institute uh, do so many great things. Uh, they've got over 200 volunteers working it today, and uh, always fun just to see that energy and excitement uh, behind the scenes. Uh, but now we want to get into some of the, the nitty-gritties of the strategy, the messaging, the debate tactics, and uh, no one better to do that with than uh, Mara Carabello from Exoro Group. Uh, some of you may not have heard of Mara. She is uh, one of those most influential people you've probably never heard of. Uh, because she is, uh, I think she is the ultimate in the fingerprint business. Uh, her fingerprints are everywhere on messaging and strategy. And I thought it would be great to bring Mara on to really break down where we are today and what each side uh, it needs to do messaging and uh, debate tactics-wise. So, Mara, thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's uh, let's break it down. You've been you've been in those debate prep rooms. You've been in messaging rooms for uh, candidates of all kinds. And uh, as you go into a debate, especially one with uh, this kind of uh, high stakes drama around it, uh, what's the uh, what's the first thing you're going to tell that candidate? 
You know, the hardest thing to do in the midst of a campaign, particularly one that's been going on for this long, is to stay yourself. I know that that sounds um, really easy to do, but even for these two individuals, Kamala Harris and Mike Pence, are both really experienced and high performers. They both come in with a pretty good skill set, a different skill set, but matched. But at that point, even the best of performers know it's so high stakes, and it's really hard to prep on policy and to prep on how you look and being comfortable. It's it's like uh, after any lesson in golf or tennis, and and how do you add to your swing and not mess up your swing? So, so staying authentic to who they are and being able to connect. So. De- so debates are about two things. It's about showing some acumen, um, some smarts, and in this case, probably showing if you could potentially be the president of the United States. But it's also about connections, right? Many of us um, vote and are looking for people we feel a connection to. And having them primed and prepped on the right answer, so to speak, but also staying who they are and seeing us as a person. And those public communicators that we loved the most, um, be it Bill Clinton or be it Ronald Reagan, it was also because they stayed very human while they relayed complexity. Yeah, oh, that authenticity is such a, a big thing, and especially at this stage of the game where both of these candidates, I think we know for the most part what they're going to say on most of the questions, uh, right. which is why I, I, I love the idea of a single moderator. I think that can work well because hopefully the moderator will get to what I think are the really important questions, the second and third level questions, not not the fact-checking questions, but tell me how you got to that decision. I, I want to know how does this person think, how do they make decisions, and what principles guide them in that uh, in that process? And as you mentioned, uh, Mara, I think that often gets lost in being over-programmed and, and a little too pre-produced. Right, and I mean, I hope, I, I like the format, uh, as you suggested, for the same reason. We're getting rid of some of the rote intros and, and takeaways, because they become very rote, right? That you see them turn a switch. Yep. Um, and I and if you can get layered and later layer where we all think we're coming to some, like you said, beyond the headlines, beyond the um, branding of the party, but really a deeper touch. Um, they're both also going to be strongly selling who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. That has become very important. It certainly is the balance that Pence has been asked to bring to the Trump ticket. And so they're both going to focus on themselves as individuals and the values that they share, I suspect, and the nuancing of how to express those. Um, I think Kamala Harris may have a little heavier lift because of the um, challenge that it is to be a woman in this level of politic and women have to be both stronger. You have to show that you can stand up to the foreign policy challenges. And then at the very same time, you're going to be judged about how relatable you are. And those sometimes are opposing traits. So so I I think she's got a a big challenge and she also has a strong skill set. Yeah, she does. And I I think she will do well. I do think it's interesting. Um, uh, Two questions I wanted to get to you quick. So one is, Typically, the vice president has been the attack dog uh, going after the top of the ticket uh, of the opponent. And I'm just curious how much, uh, I think in 2016, I think Tim Kaine kind of went too far. He was kind of the interrupter, shouter, and uh, forever throwing the zingers um, that just didn't quite play well. I thought Pence was able to thrust and parry those pretty well. Um, So I I was just really curious what you think uh, the balance should be for both of them, really, in terms of uh, attacking the number ones on the ticket. 
So what we've never seen before is how much they're going to be playing off of the presidential debate, right? I mean, how uniformly camped that was uh, brings us to the point where they're going to have to be more artful about those taxes. You su- you suggest usually where you go at people is this vice presidential level. Well, you really point it. I don't think there's an – I think the appetite right now of the public is to see a little more decorum, but you can't – you can't. You've got to make those hits. That's that's the point of the debate. Is you have to draw out your opponent. So I think on the heels of the presidential debate, they're going to have to be more artful because I think we saw a lot of needless attacking that we didn't find productive. Yeah, for sure. And I think that leads to uh, my last question for Amara, and that is um, looking at uh, who the audience is and what is the job to be done. Normally, a vice presidential debate is more about uh, you know the old adage, "Do no harm." Uh, but I think the stakes are very high this time, and and who they're speaking to. I think uh, both the top of the tickets have uh, galvanized the bases pretty well, um, and so really this is the undecideds, the independents, and the and the movable middles. So how do you think each of these candidates should speak to those people who may actually make a decision on voting based on this debate tonight? I think you're absolutely right about who the audience is. I think I think the vice president in this election is playing a more important role than ever before. Um, we've also seen that uh, Geraldine Ferraro and Sarah Palin's um, bouts when they were both female um, vice presidents up to the uh, ratings of particularly women who are most likely to be undecided at this point. And I think the trick will be can all of them leave the partisanship that is necessary, they believe, in the campaign and speak to that middle? Because the, what their challenger is going to be doing is painting them as far left and far right uh, mm-hmm. a, a, in the style of the presidential. And the winner of this will be someone who can hold the ground um, for their party but also move to the middle because that's who the undecideds are. Oh, fantastic. Mara. So appreciate you joining us today. Again, we're broadcasting live from the University of Utah site of the vice presidential debate tonight. Uh, Mara, Mara, I always learn something uh, when you come on, so I appreciate that. And I encourage all of our listeners to go back and listen to the podcast today before you watch the debate tonight. It will help you frame what you're watching, what you should be watching, and hopefully what you learn, because that's what this debate is really all about. Mara, thanks for joining us today. Great talking to you. All right. We're going to go ahead and step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, we're going to break down what this all means and why it's so important and what's Utah's place in all of this. Don't miss it. Stay with us here on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Your voice, your vote. Utah's vice presidential debate. In depth coverage on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources today. Great to be with you live from the University of Utah, Student Union Building today, just hours away from the vice presidential debate held here in Salt Lake City, and uh, so much to cover. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and uh, we've had a great hour uh, talking through what this looks like behind the scenes uh, with our friends from the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Uh, Doug Wilkes, editor of the Deseret News, gave us some inside the newsroom. How do you cover uh, from a media standpoint, this kind of big event. And then, of course, our good friend Mara Carabello from uh, Exoro Group talking about strategy and messaging 
who are these candidates really speaking to and what should they be speaking about in order to connect with those voters? Uh, it's really interesting uh, with all of the things going on, uh, especially back in Washington right now, aside from the coronavirus itself. Uh, we also learned yesterday that the negotiations around the uh, stimulus, uh, corona stim- stimulus, uh, have been put on hold. Uh, the president appears to be making a little bit of an about face there, so maybe they will reengage. But currently, there's there's nothing happening there. We also know that <clears throat> last week, uh, Congress just uh, shot through without anybody really noticing one of those lovely little things we call the CR, the Continuing Resolution, uh, which is the worst way to govern anything. Uh, basically, it puts all your spending on autopilot, uh, and everything just continues on uh, until the next deadline. And the next deadline is November, or excuse me, is December the 11th. And uh, so, you know, no government shutdown. That's a good thing. Uh, some certainty there. But you could see in the markets yesterday just the whiplash that was going on uh, as the markets, markets love certainty. And there's no certainty right now. Uh, so we do have a little bit of certainty, but we know that only goes till December when a lame duck Congress uh, and the results of the election may still be in the balance. Uh, are going to have to go through that process again. And that's not good for the country. That's not good for the American people. Uh, And now we can't even sit down and have a conversation uh, about the right kind of spending uh, to get into the hands of the American people to keep things rolling forward. And so I think part of the challenge uh, for many tonight as we look and eye the vice presidential debate coming up tonight right here from the University of Utah campus, uh, which is just a buzz with uh, just all kinds of good energy today. It was just kind of fun getting out of the car and coming in uh, to where we're located here in the Student Union building. Uh, there's just kind of a, a feeling in the air that uh, something something's happening. Uh, a lot of volunteers running around uh, doing great things. Campaigns are, are amping up the, their rhetoric and the, their their negotiations and debates. Uh but there, there's something coming. But part of the problem of something coming <clears throat> is the fact that we're sort of abdicating our responsibility and looking to Washington. Uh, if we continue to look to Washington to solve all the big problems of our day, uh, that that is the problem. If you want to have uh, a federal government that's less involved in your lives, uh, you got to have one that's less uh, important to your lives. And part of that means we got to get back to the local level, communities problem solving is really where things happen and both campaigns would be wise today to to really just walk around walk around utah for a little bit uh they got a few hours to kill here before the uh we'll call it the tip-off uh of the debate tonight at uh, 7 p.m and, and so uh i think it's important to to really look through all of that and, and what is happening here in the state of utah uh that both campaigns could really point to and say oh look uh, that's something that's actually working out there. And uh, to me, that's the, the ultimate test. Uh, we, we've talked about it many times on this show, that there are things happening in the state of Utah that have it uniquely positioned to lead out, to not just nationally but internationally, uh, coming out of this pandemic. I think part of the key is that we have these <clears throat> two pillars uh, that really give a solid foundation for the state. So we have this great free market economy, uh, and we have low taxes. We have a low regulatory threshold, so there's not a lot of regulations that businesses have to deal with. Uh, still be, probably too many for my liking, but I think we're getting a, a fairly decent balance there. And because of that, uh, it's a great place for entrepreneurs. It's a great place for the tech community. And so you start lining all those things up, and you say, okay, here's here's Utah. 
uh, used to be considered just the crossroads of the West. Uh, but now we've got a, a brand new international airport. Uh, work is being done despite some, some challenges and difficulties in terms of the inland port, uh, which will really create an international hub. We have Silicon Slopes uh, that is uh, bringing all kinds of tech jobs and upward opportunity uh, out there. We have an educated workforce. Uh, we have great institutions of learning in this state. Uh, and uh, just thinking that through, again, right here from the University of Utah, Ruth Watkins is doing a stellar job here in, in leading and creating an environment for, for entrepreneurs and learning and innovation in so many different ways. So we have all of those things going. We, of course, have the headquarters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a worldwide organization with 16 million members and young people who go to the far corners of the world and learn languages and become very interested in international activity. The World Trade Center does a great job promoting uh, all of our international business activities and moving that forward. And suddenly you start piecing that together and you say, wow, that's, uh, that is a very interesting hub with a lot of good things going on. And then you add to that uh, that we have this these strong institutions of civil society where we have neighborhoods and communities that, that are connected and interconnected, uh, that care about each other. We have volunteer organizations and, and faith-based groups. We have businesses that give back to the community in so many significant and inspiring and often unnoticed ways. And suddenly you have this real laboratory of democracy that is doing some pretty cool things and is leading out in so many ways. And so you look around not just the country, you look around the world and say, okay, what, what city is going to be better positioned to lead out in a new, a new global economy? Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to uh, find one that is better suited or better situated than the state of Utah. Uh, new York's going to struggle. L.A.'s going to struggle. Seattle's going to struggle. Chicago's struggling. Uh, so many of those things, and even looking internationally, London's London's got a host of challenges. Uh, and so you, you add all those up and suddenly you say, wow, this is a place that if uh, you were a vice presidential candidate, this is a pretty good laboratory of democracy to take a look at. And the the great part of that is that it's not government-driven. It's driven by the people. Uh, it's smaller government, bigger citizens, more heroic communities, uh, and that's what makes Utah a really unique place. And so if we were giving any real advice uh, to the candidates today, to either Vice President Pence or to Kamala Harris, uh, would be to just take a look around. Uh, there's a lot of policy solutions. There's a lot of great principles that are being played out right here in the state of Utah. Uh, and as they prepare for their debate tonight, uh, they could certainly uh, point to and say, wow, this is an interesting way to do it outside of government, or here's a way to tag team the public and private sector to solve real problems, whether that's homelessness, whether that's dealing with immigration, uh, or balancing LGBTQ and religious liberty. Uh, there's so many things that Utah has shown a model uh, for the nation that they can really do. Uh, now, the skeptics are going to snicker and say, okay, that's just a little too uh, hometown homer uh, going there in terms of what Utah is and what it represents. Uh, but I would just remind them uh, that about 170 years ago, when the pioneers first entered this valley, uh, they made some pretty bold and audacious declarations themselves about the future of the area, and uh, most of those have played out pretty uh, amazingly. Uh, even at the driving of the Golden Spike, uh, connecting the nation by rail, those same sentiments were shared, and a lot of people scoffed at those as well. And so the cynics and the skeptics will challenge, you know, where Utah is. Uh, Utah is a crossroads. Uh, not just to the West, uh, but really to the world. And Utah's been quietly working at that, patiently paving the way for that. 
Uh, all eyes are on Utah today, and the candidates should do the same. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on KSL's Inside Sources. And as always, as you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that makes a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.